welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. You know, I want to I want to really talk to us. I want to really uh, get us to understand what our purpose is that God has gotten us to the place we are right now. Uh, this church doesn't have much more room. You can't put very many more people in here, but uh, you can put more people in here. Amen. And so that's what we're going to try to uh, talk to you about and try to encourage you. Uh, uh, there's, you know, somebody said, I, you know, that... Uh, I've come to help the afflicted, amen? And then I've come to afflict the ones that think they don't need it, amen? And uh, we got to understand that church is more than just a, a building. It's more than a place that we come to. It's not, it's not our church. It's his church. And when we make it a meat church, that means that it's only what I want, and I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm not going to do anything else because it's a meat church. It's, it's as long as they're saying something, doing something, as long as they sing the song that I like, I'm going to be happy. If they don't, I'm going to have to say something to somebody, amen. And that's what happens when you have a meat church, and that's what causes confusion, and that's what causes visitors not to feel the pure presence of the Holy Ghost. When somebody's singing, we ought to all be in one mind and one accord and worshiping God with all our heart, amen. And so I want to I wanna be a blessing to you tonight. I want to talk to you. I want to share something with you that has helped me. I've been in this thing 43 years, and God, my first year in church, God gave me uh, over 69 people that, that he led me to. Now, notice I didn't say I won. We got to be careful when we start saying I won somebody. God led me to those people, amen. I don't know what's behind every door in Vacaville, but God does. You don't know what's behind every door, but God does. But if we can get ourselves out of the way, God can lead us to those souls right now. He can lead us to the, to the uh, marriage that's fixing to break up that can't wait three months. They need God right now. And Vacaville needs a church that's ready to be sensitive in the Holy Ghost to understand that God wants to give you something that's going to change your life forever. I've been in this thing 43 years, and I wouldn't change it for anything. You know why? Because God got a hold of me, and when I saw him, amen, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 says, to know him and to understand him was worth more than your worldly riches, more than your strength or your worldly knowledge, to know him and understand him. Because when you know him and understand him, you don't think it's strange when fiery trials try you as though some strange thing is happening, but you know this that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And you're able to let patience have its perfect work so you'll be perfect entire, wanting nothing, amen? God is trying to talk to us tonight. He's going to try to, try to give you something that you're going to be able to hold on to. And I, I want to be a blessing to you, but I want to be a blessing to your pastor, amen? I'm not a pastor, so when I come, I come to lift up the pastor's hands. I come to say things that he's probably already told you, but you hear it in a different way. Amen. I've seen enough people to know that sometimes a pastor can say something and, and we don't pay attention. That's the pastor. But when somebody else comes and says it, all of a sudden it sounds like, oh, I never heard that before. But I guarantee you that your pastor and myself, we have the same spirit. We have the same goal. We have the same vision. Amen. 
And I appreciate him giving me this opportunity to be here. Psalms 85 verse 6 says, uh, Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people shall rejoice in thee? See, we think revival is when there's an influx of people. When, when you get an evangelist in here and all of a sudden people are coming in and, and you'll see people, they'll, they'll come and they'll go, amen? They think that's what revival is. That's not what the Bible talks about when it talks about revival. That's a harvest when you're re receiving a harvest. Revival is when you are revived as a church body, when you see him anew, when you see him fresh, when you're broken by a revelation of God. You understand what I'm saying? Isaiah prophesied five chapters. What was you? 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 But in the sixth chapter, he saw the Lord high and lifted up, and he said, woe is me, because he was broken by that revelation. We have to come to be in a church that we have to understand that we've got to be broken all over again by a fresh revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Job, uh, he, he went through so many chapters that God had to deal with him and deal with his pride of life and everything. But it was in the last chapter where he said, he, he asked God a bunch of questions. He told God, I wish I knew where you're at because I'd come in, I'd make my complaint to you. And he got to really grappling at God about all the things that were happening. But in the last chapter, he said, I've heard thee with my ears, but now I've seen thee with my eyes. I'm a sinner. And he sat down in sackcloth and ashes. And guess what God said? Now go talk to your friends. They'll listen to you. What I'm trying to tell you is when you're broken by a fresh revelation of God, you see yourself the way God sees you and enables you to clean some things up and to draw closer to him. And then somebody else is going to listen to you. Because they're going to see there's something different about you. Man, I, I, I'm not different because I'm apostolic. I'm different because I know who Jesus is. I can be like everybody else. I can backslide. I can do whatever I want, but I know him and I understand him. And I, I'm not going to give that up for anything. And you can't take it away from me. Amen. So Psalms 85, 6 says, Wilt thou revive us again? Because they, they kept messing up. They kept just all the time going back and forth, back and forth in the book of Judges. God says that. They said, deliver us, God. He said, I, he said I call on the gods you've chosen. I've delivered you so many times already. You're going to have to do it yourself now. He, he taught them a lesson. You hear what I'm saying? So what I'm telling you is that they're saying in Psalms 85, he's saying, wilt thou revive us again? Not just me. Will you revive us again that... Thy people may rejoice in thee. We ought to be happy when we come to church. I, Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It wasn't, I'm griping about it. I'm tired. I, I hope it don't last very long. And sometimes we come leaving, amen. But I want you to know when I come to the house of the Lord, I come for one reason, to worship him, to praise him, to exalt him, to lift him on high, amen. He's worthy of all my praise and glory. He, he's worthy because of what he's done for me. You don't know like I know what he's done for me. That's why I get joy when I think about what he's done for me. Man, about, there's about, uh, I think, 14 or 16 of us guys in our early 20s that worked for oil companies. We all came in church at the same time. None of us knew anything about Pentecost. And we sat on the front row. They called us the front row patrol because we'd get up there and when the preacher preached, we'd slap the pulpit, man. We'd shout and all the older saints would be watching us and everything. And, and they'd sing Amazing Grace and we'd shout until we sweated through our jackets and everything. Had to take our coats off. And, and one lady said, why are you shouting to Amazing Grace? I said, because it's amazing. 
And you ought to get excited about the amazing grace. Amen. When they sing amazing grace, you ought to get excited about it because it's amazing what he can do in a person's life. Man, I was nothing before I came to God. Man, I was dyslexic. I couldn't read. My numbers were always backwards. I couldn't ever do anything. Uh, my mom called me stupid. My, my friends called me dumb. And I, I, I'd go to school and I'd be so embarrassed because I couldn't read. And they'd send me to special classes. And then I'd come back in and, and they'd make fun of me because I had to go uh, on these children books, you know, and try to learn how to read and everything. And, and I was always told I was nothing. And, and from the time I was little, my mom said, you're nothing. Uh, from the time I was little, man, the teachers and everybody, they didn't believe I was anything. I wasn't going to mount to anything, amen. And after all these zeros in my life, I came up zero and everything, man. I was going to play football in high school, but I, you're not going to believe this, but when I graduated, I was 5'4", weighed 127 pounds, so I wasn't too good at football, so I was a zero there too, amen. The year I graduated, I grew. <laughs> my coaches said, what happened to you, Amen. But I was always a zero, so I joined the Army, man. I, I was going to prove I was somebody. I graduated first. Now, listen to me. I graduated first out of 200-something guys. I won the Army Association Award. I, I got every award. I got letters from lieutenant colonels and colonels, and all of them sent letters out to my family and everything and told me how great a soldier I was. But then guess what happened? I got hurt when I was in Germany and broke my knee in two, and then I began to use drugs, got depressed, zero again. I was nothing. I was nothing. So I had like six zeros, six nothings that people told me I'd never amount to anything. But on April 9th, 1980, I walked into a Pentecostal church for the first time. I've never been to a Pentecostal church, but I walked into a Pentecostal church for the first time, and when I heard it, I interrupted the whole service. Man, I ran down to the altar, and God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I was baptized in Jesus' name. See, a guy witnessed to me and told me that there was only one God. So I walked into that church on April 9th with a bunch of zeros behind me. Oh, y'all got to see this. I can tell y'all ain't really catching what I'm saying. So when, when I came to church on April 9th, 1980, this was my life, zeros. Zeros, man, I was nothing. I was gone. Everybody, you're, you're no good. You're not going to mount to nothing. You're, you're horrible. But when I walked in that Pentecost church, that guy told me that there's only one God. His name's Jesus. And when I came down to the altar and I found that one God, guess what happened? I put him first. And when I put him first, he added value to my life. Amen. That's why you ought to shout because God's added value to your life. I used to be nothing. <laughs> but now I'm a child of God. And you and all these zeros became testimonies of what that one true God can do. Amen. That's why God gave me 69 souls. Because he knew that I understood that he's the one to change my situation. Amen. You ought to get excited. Uh, if somebody said you're nothing, you're a liar. God's first in my life. He adds value to me. Somebody shout praise the Lord. Man, you want God to add value? Put him first. And when you put him first, church, you're not going to have to build another church. I'm going to have to get that school over there and tell me I'm going to have to move out. We, we got to do something about what's happening. Amen. Because that's what's, what's, but it's more than that. See, when I came in, that was a harvest. That wasn't revival. The church didn't have revival. They had a quartet singing. 
I come out of the world, ACDC, Led Zeppelin, Molly Hatchet, all those rock and roll groups. I was a drug addict. I walked in there, ran down to the altar. It was a quartet, so it wasn't a revival. It was a, it was a harvest. My, my soul was ready. That boy witnessed to me, and I came down and got the Holy Ghost. See, the problem is there's a lot of times people come to our church, and they feel something, they leave, but we never see them again. Because we never follow up. And that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. Learn understanding the importance of follow up. And the reason that I'm in church 43 years later is because that boy that witnessed to me took me every day. I worked for Mobile Oil Production all day. And he worked for another company, construction company. But every day he got off work, he was tired like everybody else. But he would come and pick me up. And we would go to the prayer room. And for one month straight, we would pray. I'd pray and he'd pray. And we'd talk to God. And God would move on us and after that month was up he threw the keys to the prayer room to me he said now he said you find somebody to take to the prayer room amen what he did was he followed up with me until I was established in the truth amen what good is that oh we had a revival and 30 got the Holy Ghost but where are they at you didn't have anything you had a move of God but nobody followed up with those people. Nobody talked to them. Nobody uh, got information on them and, and let them know that you're important. Everybody I see, I, I, I acknowledge their person. When I see somebody in the store and they're checking me out, I, I look at their name tag and, and they'll tell me what their name tag is. And, and one guy said, my name looked at Joel. I said, man, you're in the Bible, buddy. I got news for you, man. You need to read the book of Joel. And, and it opened that door for me. Uh, another boy named Noah did the same. I look at their names. I acknowledge them. I let them know you're important to me enough for me to call you by name. Amen. You know why? Because God called me by my name. Amen. He called me that night to come to that altar. Mm. Follow up. It's important. And if you're going to contend for the faith, it requires compassion for people. You got to love people. You got to care about people. And I, 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 you know, you know what's wrong with us Pentecostals is, is that we hear so much good preaching and, and we hear all these stories in the Bible, but we have never been able to really relate to them. I'm sorry. I've never been able to relate to Sodom and Gomorrah. I've never been able to relate to the things that were going on in the Bible, certain things. But now in the day we're living in, now we can understand what it was back then. You understand what I'm saying? But years ago, we didn't think about that. And we just were happy to come and clap our hands. But there's a world that's lost. and There's a world that's being deceived. And they need to have truth. And I don't care how dark it gets. My Bible says if you light a match, darkness got to flee, amen? And when we become a light to the world, people are going to see us and want what we have. Man, somebody say praise the Lord. We need to show the people that, that come to church that, that we have compassion. We're going to acknowledge their, their person so that they know that they're important to God. They might have been told they're nothing. They might be told that they're sorry and, and you'll never amount to anything. How many times has a husband told her wife that and she's so down and out because she can't seem to ever get above uh, the remarks and the hatred and the violent talk that comes against her. But oh, I'm here to tell you, friend, when they walk into the presence of God and the church is in one mind, in one accord, uh, they're going to feel something they never felt before. You know, uh, we, we, we like that. Matthew, uh, the Great Commission, 
Jesus did not simply tell his disciples to baptize. Man, get over yourself. Man, oh, man, we, oh, we, people come to church, and the first thing we want to do is get baptized or get the Holy Ghost. And they, ain't even, they don't even know what you're talking about. They don't even know who Jesus is yet. He's just a name that's used on TV as a curse word. They don't know who Jesus is. They don't know that he's God manifest in the flesh. And, and so, so they come in. Jesus, now, notice what Jesus said. He said yeah, he, he gave us the great commission, but he, he didn't tell his disciples just to baptize and then brag about how many got baptized. Uh-oh. Man, I, I bumped the stump. I better back up and plow a little deeper there, amen. Quit worrying about numbers, amen. Start looking at people as a person. Make sure that you acknowledge them as a person. And you'll see that the numbers are going to come in because you're going to tell them who Jesus Christ is. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Somebody say praise the Lord. Praise Matthew 28, 20. Now, uh, we like 28, 19. It says, you know, uh, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. But here's Matthew 28, 20 was the next verse. And, and, and this, is, uh, well, this was number 20. This was the catalyst for the disciples. This is what set the disciples going. This is the movement. When he told them they were to be go baptized, now he's telling them how to do it. He's telling them what to do. He said, after you baptize them, after they received the Holy Ghost, he said, teaching them to observe all things. Amen. Not teaching them to come to church and shout. Not teaching them to come to church and say, whoopee a little bit, but saying, you know what? I got to teach them. I got to lay a foundation in their life. I got to show them what truth is. Somebody say, praise the Lord. I live on the Gulf of Mexico. I'm only 18 miles from the Gulf, and, and Carla blew through. That's the strongest hurricane ever hit the Gulf Coast. You don't hear much about it because it was in 62, and there wasn't that many people living around that area at that time, but it hit at 175 miles an hour. And I remember being there in the middle of that storm. We were in the, we were in the place where they auctioned off cattle and stuff because we, uh, we rodeoed, and all of us got together in that big old concrete building. And, and I remember seeing that wind blow and everything. And there was a there was a building that was going to be built, and the foundation was there. And so the the wind got, and man, our house was destroyed. Other people's homes were destroyed. Uh, buildings were destroyed. Filling stations were destroyed. But guess what? That foundation was still there. Uh, you hear what I'm saying? That foundation was still there. Nothing had been built on it yet. But see, that's what I'm trying to tell you, that when somebody comes and gets the Holy Ghost and gets baptized in Jesus' name, all they have is a foundation. You've got to teach them how to observe all things. You've got to teach them how to build on that foundation. He said, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. He wanted them to follow up those who were baptized. He didn't want them just to be, be shifting in the wind. He wanted them to understand you got a foundation now, so I'm going to show you how to build on that foundation, and we'll get to that. Amen? So too often, uh, once people are baptized, they're left simply to drift. We, we, we just let them go. We think, well, uh, you know, they got the Holy Ghost, and, and they think they are where we're at right now, and they're not. They're going back to a situation that's bad. They're going back to a place that's not any good. They're going back to the same kind of talk and language and lifestyle, amen. That's why you need to fellowship with them, amen. You need to take them out to eat. Oh, brother, you know how expensive it is to eat? Split a meal with them, amen. Oh, man. <laughs> 
I don't care. I'm going to get them involved. I said, I'm going to get them involved. I met a guy, he was 50, I think 57 years old. He's a welder, and uh, uh, he'll oh, cussing and filthy mouth and dipping and all the crazy stuff, living in sin and drugs and everything, and, and getting a witness to him. And when you start witnessing to him, all of a sudden, man, his spirit began to change a little. And we invited him to our house, and, and he came to our house on Friday night, still comes on Friday nights. It's just been about a month. And he comes to our house, and we feed him. We, 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 my sister Abra cooks something, we feed him. Then he watches me. He's been divorced twice, so he don't know what a family is. And so he watches me help get the plates off the table and put them in the kitchen for my wife. And he sees how we function together. Amen. He's seeing that in our house, it's different than his house. There, there's some things missing in our house that's in his house. And he begins to feel the power of God. Amen. And man, we taught him that Bible study. And after about three weeks, uh, he walks up to the front of the church before church was over and he lifted his hands and he said, I'm ready. I want the Holy Ghost. I want to get baptized in Jesus' name. Because we taught him to observe. We introduced him to that one true God. Everybody told him you'll never amount to anything, but when God added value, he's already bringing people to church. And he still comes. Sister Abram, uh, my, my daughter and her husband are going to be feeding him this Friday night and having a Bible study. We're not going to stop having it because I'm out of town. You understand what I'm saying? We've acknowledged his person. He's excited about what God's doing. And when you get excited about God, they'll get excited about God. If you're married, get excited about your, about your marriage. They'll get excited about their marriage if they see you happy. See, this, it, the thing that greatly hinders the church is the fact that we just let them drift away. We, 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 we get excited. Oh, we had revival, and, and 10 got the Holy Ghost. And then when they don't come back, what do you do? You get discouraged, right? You get discouraged, and you think, man, you know, nobody wants this. I'm going to tell you something. The only reason nobody wants it is they haven't ever met anybody that's on fire yet. Man, I'm going to tell you something. When I got the Holy Ghost, I went to everybody that I knew that I had sold drugs to, and I went and told them what Jesus did for me. Did they come in? No. But two years later, after they watched me, and they have a right to watch me, amen, they knew how I was. I didn't get offended because they didn't come right in. I knew. I, I Watched me. You go ahead. And one of them said, it ain't going to last. After two years, guess what? He comes with his wife and gets the Holy Ghost and gets baptized in Jesus' name, Amen. you got to understand that people need to know that there's truth. And that truth is what sets you free. It makes you free. It, 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 it takes the chains off. It takes the addiction out of your life. Somebody say praise the Lord. See, here's the problem. Here's the problem. I hope I, I don't interfere with y'all too much. Uh, see, you, you got to understand that this is the key. God never changes. Everybody, is that right? God never changes. But the world it's always getting worse. Am I right? Yes. Evil men and seducers are going to wax what? Worse and worse. 
This know also that the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, true speakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. In other words, they, they have a form. Oh, I know who Jesus is. Oh, no, you don't know him. You might believe, but that word believe, it really comes from the root word buy and live. And in the English language, you got to turn around. If you really believe something, you're going to live by it. Amen. That's what believe means. And so, and so we see that the world's getting worse. But what happens when you lose your vision, when you lose that, 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 that desire to live for God, when you lose your anointing and your excitement, when you become Pentecostalized, when you become Pentecostalized, this is how you act. God saved me. But I, you know what? I, Church every Wednesday night, come on. Is it really that important? And, and, and I got other things I need to do and stuff. And so what we do is we start trying to maintain a safe distance from the world. So you spend your whole Christian life maintaining a safe distance. I'm never as bad as the world. Of course not, because the world keeps getting worse and worse. So you think because I maintain a safe distance, I'm okay. That's not what the Bible says. Because if you'll look 10 years down the road, you're where the world used to be. Amen? But God didn't call you to do that. God called you to die daily and come to him. And when you do that, you draw close to him. And now you're further from the world. And the world doesn't influence you. And you're able to look at somebody in their face and tell them, I got a God that can change. I got a God that can deliver. I got a God that can heal. My, 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 my. Man, you need to get excited. Proper fellowship should be of primary importance to a congregation. If you want this church to grow, you've got to have fellowship. Fellowship with each other. That's what the Bible tells us, amen? It tells us that that's what we have to do. When you look at the book of Acts chapter 2, I'm not going to go through all of it, but there's eight steps from death to life, and, and Peter preached it. He said there was a revelation, a recognition, there was a response, there was repentance, there was remission, and there was receiving the Holy Ghost. And then he said there was remaining. He said, save yourself from this untoward generation. Isn't that what he said? He said, save yourself. And then he says, continue steadfast in the apostles' doctrine with what? Break of the bread and what? Fellowship and prayer. He said, we need to fellowship each other. We need to slow down long enough to fellowship with each other. We need to encourage each other. We need to have each other over and talk and worship and pray together. Amen. Not just in church. Not just in church. Man, when I got in church, when all of us guys got in church, there was one family, and it was Oliver and Debbie. Bless their hearts. They were just married, and, uh, and there'd be 10, 11 of us over at their house every night, all of us in our early 20s. 
and we'd have our Bibles and we'd be going through Bible studies and we'd, we'd eat a couple gallons of bluebell ice cream and, and, and he had to work the next day and we did, but he had two kids and a wife. <laughs> but you know what? They never said a word. They kept fellowshipping us. They kept bringing us into their house. Every night we came and had Bible. Every night we came. All of us new converts came in. You know why? He was, he was establishing us. He was telling us that there's something that you need to do to this foundation you have, let's help build on that foundation. That's why so many people backslide is they, they, they get the foundation, but that's all they have. Man, you, you, hurricanes are out there right now, and they might have a slab there. Go sit on that slab when that hurricane blows through and see if you're still on that slab. You won't be. It'll blow you off because you haven't built. You're, you're like the man who built his house on the sand. And when the storm came, it was demolished. And what does the Bible say? Great was the fall of it. Why does it say great was the fall of it? Because he had false security in what he was building. He thought it was good enough, but it's not good. And I'm going to tell you something, Pentecostals. If you're not careful, you're going to think just coming to Sunday and Wednesday night's going to be good enough. That's not going to be good enough, amen. You've got some false security. You've got to have a daily walk with God. You've got to have a daily devotion with God. You've got to love God with all your heart. Somebody shout praise the Lord. And so he says, he tells us that for the promises unto you and your children, all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, the seventh step remaining. And with many other words did he testify, exhorting, said, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly, they that gladly, notice what happens when the church is in one mind and one accord. Look what happens when everybody's excited about what God's doing, when they got that revelation of who he is. Uh, they gladly receive. You didn't have to beg them. You didn't have to go tell them they need to go come to the, uh, yeah, or you're going to go to hell if you don't get the Holy Ghost. No, 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 they decide. They gladly, the Bible said. <laughs> they gladly received the word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And notice what it says. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. And because of the unity of the believers of staying there and teaching them how to continue steadfastly, how to bring them together in fellowship and breaking of bread, you get to verse number 47 in the book of Acts chapter 2, and it says that that enabled them to praise God, the Bible said. Praise God. Now, 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 now that's, that's not Brother Aber. It says that they praised God and they had favor with all people. See, you think everybody hates you. But when you get where you're supposed to be in God, when you walk into, is it Rayleigh's, Riley's, or whatever it is, and you got to pay that exorbitant amount of money y'all pay for food in this state. You can still walk up to that counter and look at that guy's name and you can begin to talk to him and begin to witness to him. Why? Because you know that God's going to give you favor. I haven't had a single one of them get mad at me. People say, you can't talk to people in California. I talk to them everywhere I go. Amen. Amen. 
I'm going by the pharmacy. If there's somebody, a lady standing there or a man standing there and they're waiting on their medicine, I ask them, are y'all okay? Well, I'm not feeling well. Well, would you mind if I prayed for you? I have not had one say no yet, amen? I reach over and pray. I don't care who's listening. I pray and ask God to touch them. You know why? Because God set me free. He gave me the ability to see that they have nothing in their life. But when they get Jesus, they'll have something. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. So it was the unity of the believers that brought, brought the people into the church. And they, God added to the church daily such as should be saved. And, and to many churches... Uh, the, they're preaching the gospel that requires little or no commitment. There's a lot of people in church that have no commitment whatsoever. And that's why marriages fall apart. They, they have no commitment. They, they say they do when they say they do, but they don't. And they, it falls apart on them because the first time when the road gets rough, they just throw in the towel because they know I can just go. That's because that's the world. That's what the But oh, no, no. Jesus said, I got news for you, friend. I got something that can make your life better. I got something that can show you how you're supposed to live in Treat your wife and your husband. And the Bible said when you do it God's way that you, uh, you serve together in knowledge. That's what the Bible says. That you serve together in knowledge. You know each other. You're not looking at a TV. You're not got some hobby or something that's consuming. And you never talk. You learn how to dwell together in knowledge, the Bible says. That enables you to strengthen your marriage so that you can see people whose lives are falling apart, your friends, and let them know, man, I've got a church you can come to. I know you don't feel like you're worth anything, but you come to our church, and I promise you, you're going to find how much you're worth. Amen? Amen? See, that's what people are looking for. Let's take a look. We see a lot of people that come to the cross, but very few take up the cross and follow him daily. You know, you're like, oh, we're going to have a revival. <laughs> but remember, revival is us. When we get revived... That's revival. The Bible said the heathen are going to know who the Lord is when he's sanctified in our eyes. When he's sanctified in us, then the world's going to know. Amen? And so it's important that you understand that. So let's take a look at the work of a new believer. Here's what, here's what we got to do with new believers. This is what, 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 uh, what Paul's goal was. This is how he labored. Notice Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 and 29. Whom we preach warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom. You know, there's a lot of young preachers, they want to preach, man. They want to get up there and they want to shout and they want to get you to run the aisles. They want, oh, man. They want, but, but the Bible, told, Paul told Timothy, be apt to teach. Learn how to look somebody in the eye and teach them. Amen? Teach them so that they can recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, the Bible said. That's Bible. That's not Brother Haber now. It's just warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Oh, Brother Haber, you said that you're going to present them perfect. No, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show them a perfect plan of God that's going to be able to bring them into perfection. It's going to begin to work on them. He's still working on me, amen. But you got to let him work on you, amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. Therefore, it was important. Uh, it was an important part of the ministry. Look at Acts chapter 14, uh, verse 21 and 22. 
And when they had preached the gospel to that city, wow, when they preached the gospel to that city, not to a couple people, and they, they were in that city talking to people. I know, and I don't know if y'all do door knocking or not, but I don't do door knocking. I do my evangelism in grocery stores and stuff where people are already out and they're apt to talk to somebody. And when I'm going down the aisle, I'm listening to see what's going on. And then I'm able to talk to them like me in California. I'm from Texas. And I said, man, man, this is nice weather. This is nice weather. We ain't had rain in two months. And what did I do? I tore down the wall and I'm talking to people already. I'm letting them know that they're important. I acknowledge them in a public place place and when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught every man they returned into Lystra and the Iconium and Antioch and it says confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith in other words exhorting them now not just leaving them but exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God it's not going to be a better roses when you get the Holy Ghost everything is going to be perfect but oh you got a God that's perfect you got a God you can call on you got a God that will strengthen you Somebody say, praise the Lord. Lord. Follow-up involves several areas of spiritual growth. Having the assurance of salvation and acceptance with God. Man, I have an assurance. I don't care what happens in this world. Somebody say, aren't you worried about what? Nope, I ain't worried about anything. Somebody, we're going to be a nuclear. Everybody's going to get. I said, it ain't going to happen until Jesus said it could happen. Amen. Why why am I going to worry about it? They, they can't do anything God won't let them do. Oh, brother, you, you know, that's just foolish talk, is it? God was the one that said, hey, devil, you, have you thought about Job? The devil didn't even know that God was going to use Job, uh, uh, use the devil to bring Job to the revelation of who he was. That's how dumb the devil is. And when people in the world say, this go going to happen, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. All I know is I've got a God that's going to come back for a church, and I've got to prepare myself, and I've got to reach as many people as I can. Amen? Somebody say praise the Lord. So it's our responsibility for helping them in developing a consistent devotional life, just like Greg did taking me to that prayer room for one month. He was helping me develop, continually helping me develop a consistent devotional life. 1 Peter 2, uh, verse 2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, as a baby, that baby, when it's hungry, it cries. It wants milk right then. And he said, that's what we have to do with our new babes that come in. We got to make sure that we feed them. We got to make sure that they get nourished, amen. We got to make sure they're at church. Uh, We had one guy, he didn't come to church one day, and uh, his wife said, well, he's mad at somebody in church. And, And eight of us guys, we all got in two vehicles, and we drove over to his house, and we opened up that front door, and he was laying in bed. And we went over there, and we rolled him out. I said, Big Rick, it's time to call. Here you go. Yeah, you're going to church right now. You're going to get dressed right now. He got dressed and came and prayed through. You know why? Somebody said, oh, no, we're not going to put up with this kind of stuff. You little old baby, you need some milk, and we're going to take you to the house of the Lord and give you some milk. Amen. Man, don't you let this world intimidate you. Man, if you see somebody missing in church, call them up and say, man, I missed you, man. We pray. Oh, you missed a move of God. And try to get over there to see them. 
Pray with them. Talk to them. Acknowledge their person. Colossians 4.2, continue in prayer and watching the same with thanksgiving. The third thing you got to do is understanding the basis of abundant Christian living. you got to teach them about the abundance of Christian living. See, that's what's so important. you got to understand that. It says in Colossians 3, 12 through 17, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any have quarreled against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye, amen? He said, this is what's supposed to be in the church. There shouldn't be drama in the church. There should be the Holy Ghost in the church. There should be us saying, you know what? I'm going to lift them up in prayer. I'm going to pray for them, amen. And it goes on and says, and let the peace of God rule your hearts to the which, to the which also you're called in the one body to be ye thankful Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, teaching. And that's why you have fellowship. You get together, you don't gossip. You get together, you don't talk about people. You get together, you fellowship. You admonish each other in the word of the Lord. Tell them what God showed you in your Bible reading that day and see what God can do. Amen. Man, us us guys, man, we we, we had T-shirts that said, Trouble for the Devil. We sat on that front row, and I'm going to tell you something. We were trouble for the devil. We didn't care who they were. If there was a backslider in town, they weren't safe, man. We found out they were backslidden. Well, I want to know why. I want to know what caused them to lose what I had, amen. Y'all go ahead and laugh. I started to jail. I wanted to preach, and my pastor said, I was only, I was only a, a couple months old. Lord, God already called me to preach the night I got the Holy Ghost. I was 22 when I, or 23 when I got the Holy Ghost. So God already called me to preach, and I told my pastor, I said, well, I want to preach. He said, go start a jail ministry. I thought, that's pretty good. No matter how bad I preach, they can't leave. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I didn't know anything about preaching. But I'll tell you what, man, I went in there with boldness. I began to square off with them. I began to talk to them. And I was preaching one time, and a bunch of the drunk tank was over there, and the drunk started cussing me and hollering. So I picked up a Fred Hyde tape. Y'all don't know who he is. But he, he, he had an uh, alcoholic ministry. He, he was from uh, Louisiana, and he had a song. He'd play a guitar, and he'd sing an old country song about how God delivered him off the streets of Bourbon Street. And I'd go over to that drunk tank, and I'd take a tape player, and I'd plug it in. And I'd go back over, and I'd preach to all the heathens in this cell over here. And when I got back, they're all crying, wanting to call Fred Hyde. And, oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm here to tell you, friend, when you're bold, God will be bold with you. When you say, you know what, I'm not fearful of anything, I'm going to let God use me, amen? See, God wants to use you. That's the whole thing. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Whatsoever you do in word and deed, brother already said it, you do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. I'm not doing it for me. Uh, my pastor didn't let me get behind the pulpit. I, I never preached it. God gave me over 70 souls and, and I still had never preached behind the pulpit, but I did in the jail and I did on the streets. I did in nursing homes 
and everything. And then when he finally got me to preach, he said, the reason I did that, Danny, is I wanted all of them to understand that I respect you as a minister, amen. You know what? It's not about if you get the preach or not. It's about what you do on your daily devotion, living for God, following up with sinners. Somebody say praise the Lord. You got to follow up. You got to follow up. Next is integrating. Integrating each visitor or new convert into the family life of the local church. See, that's what we're doing with Greg over in, 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 in West Columbia, in Angleton area. We're integrating him into the family. We're showing him what an apostolic family is. He's seeing how we treat each other. He's seeing how my daughter treats me. He's seeing how my grandchildren treat me. He's seeing how I treat my wife and how my wife treats me, amen. We're integrating. That's what you gotta do when somebody new comes in. Go talk to them and integrate them into the family of God. Invite them out with a couple other people and talk to them and and encourage them and tell them how important it is that they're there and how glad you are. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, it says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. You got, you got to consider one another, man. I, I look at people at our church all the time, and, and when I get to church, I get there early, and I'm sorry, but I jump and I shout and I run, and I, I don't care who gets upset, man. I, I'm worshiping God the whole time, man. I, I'm worshiping God, and, and there's new people that are coming in, and they're, 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 they're uh, telling the pastor, said, man, we love that man's worship. It's changing us. They're Catholic, and, and God's changing them, and they're, they're saying they're coming every service now. You know why? Because somebody's bold enough to sell out to God. Somebody's bold enough to say, I'm going to worship God, and I'm going to try to integrate them into the family of God. Amen? Everybody's got a crazy uncle. I'm just the church's crazy uncle. Grounded. The next thing you got to do is you got to help ground them in the basics of Bible doctrine. You got to ground... Ground them. You've got to teach them what the basic doctrine says. Don't think the Holy Ghost is going to just show them everything. I came in like that, but that doesn't mean everybody else is going to come in like that. I was at the lowest point in my life. I told you, I was nothing but a bunch of zeros. And when I found out that there was only one God, he added value right away to my life, and I never had a problem with anything. I went to church and looked on the back of the pew, and I said, what's that envelope? I said, tithing envelope. I said, what's that mean? He said, oh, well, you, you, you give God uh, your first 10% uh, of what you make. And, man, I shouted right there. I thought that's pretty good. The devil took 100% of my money, and God only wants 10%, amen? See, that's the way you got to look at things. you got to understand, God's here to help you. He's going to bless you. If you're just obedient, get grounded. Get grounded in the basis Basics of Bible doctrine. Somebody say praise the Lord. Hebrews 6, 1 through 6 says, Therefore, leaving, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. He's not saying that you don't teach baptism anymore. He said, he's talking to these Jewish Christians that wanted to go back to Judaism. He said, you need to leave those doctrines uh, and, and get focused in on who Jesus Christ is. You need to turn your life over to God. He's already given you all of those things. Amen. You need to quit arguing over things. Can somebody get me 2 Peter chapter 1 that can read real good? Get 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, start with verse number 5. Notice what the Bible says. 2 Peter chapter 1, starting with verse number 5. 
Now, it's important. Remember that scripture I used in, in, uh, in, in uh, uh, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, to know him and understand him is worth more than your riches, more than your, your worldliness or your worldly mind or your strength, to know him and understand him. Get, get me uh, 2 Peter chapter uh, 1, start, start with verse number 2. What's it say? Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Now, now notice what it says. And, and grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How many of y'all want grace and peace to be multiplied unto you? Amen. Well, we all do, don't we? But it's not going to come by you just being Pentecostal. It's not going to come by you just coming to church and, and, and putting up your little uh, clap your hands. And, and, and uh, uh, every time the air conditioner turns on, you kind of get a, um, ooh, I feel something. That's the air conditioner. That wasn't God. He said, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How's it going to be multiplied? Oh, wait a second. It goes back to knowledge. It goes back to knowledge. you got to know him and understand him. To know him and understand him. Grace and peace is going to be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of what? Go ahead. Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Okay, keep going. According to his divine power. According to his divine what? Power. Power. Has given us what? All things. All things that... Oh, pertaining to life. You know why you're having a struggle with life? It's because you're not getting the grace and the peace that God wants to multiply unto you. You don't understand that if I know him, he's going to give me all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge. Through the knowledge. There it goes again. You've got to know God. It can't be a religion. It can't be coming to church. It can't just say I'm Pentecostal. You've got to know him. I want to know him. I want to see him through the knowledge of him. Go ahead. Knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. He's called us to glory and virtue. Go ahead. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. He said there's given unto us exceeding great and precious what? Promises. Promises. Go ahead. That by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. By these promises you might be partakers of his divine nature. That's when you know you're, you, that's when you got that one in front of all your zeros is when you're a partaker of his divine nature. That's when you can walk by the same places you used to walk by, amen. That's when your friend said it ain't going to last. And two years later they say, I want what you have, amen. That's what I'm talking about. Partakers of his divine nature. Go ahead. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You've escaped, escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And beside this. And beside this. Now, he's telling us. Now, you got the foundation, okay? You got the foundation. You, you know that there's one God. You've repented. You got baptized. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. So that's your foundation. You've got the foundation. Yeah. Now, go ahead. Now, what's it say? Add to your faith virtue. Add to your faith. That's my faith. The faith that I know there's one God. The faith that uh, my salvation is sure because I repented, got baptized. Jesus, they feel the Lord. He said, "Add to your faith what? Virtue. Virtue, virtue means it, it means that that you've got that respect for God. You're gonna you're gonna do this, and you're virtuous. You 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 love God. You want the things of God in your life. Doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means that you you're striving for perfection. Go ahead. And to virtue knowledge. Oh, and he says now, and add to virtue what? Knowledge. Oh. Add to virtue knowledge. Now that knowledge, uh, here's faith. And he said, add knowledge. That means study. Study the word of God. Man, study the word of God. Love God. Go ahead. And to knowledge, temperance. Now notice you're having to add these things. That you kind of add to your faith virtue. You can't say add to your faith knowledge. It says add to your faith virtue. And then it says unto virtue knowledge. So there are some steps, eight steps that God's going to take you on from faith that's going to show you how to maintain a life in the, in the kingdom of God. 
You're going to understand what I'm saying. So add to your faith knowledge to knowledge. Temperance. Temperance. All right. And the temperance. Patience. Patience. And the what? Patience, godliness. Patience, godliness. And the godliness. Brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness. And brotherly kindness, charity. Charity. So it says, that's what we've got to do. We have our foundation. That's why he said, don't live in the foundation. You've got the foundation. It's truth. It can't be changed. Right. Well, Brother Abraham, why am I having such a hard time? Brother Abraham, how come my road's so bumpy? You ever have a flat tire? Doom, 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 doom. See, that's what happens when you don't add to your faith. When all you got is that experience that you had. And you don't add to your faith virtue. That desire to know him and to love him and to care about him. And, and, and I'm a, I, I do a chart to people. And I, I know this isn't a true chart, but I got 10 marks that I do on everybody that, that does this with me. Virtue, man, I, I, I'm a 10. I, I want to do what God wants me to do. I don't have a problem with virtue. And this is add knowledge. And knowledge, and you got a marker, you got 10 there again. And I'm a 10, man. I love to study the word of God. I want the word of God to dwell in me richly. I want to be able to share the gospel with people. I want people to get excited about the word of God because it's the word of God that washes us and cleanses us. Amen. And he says, add to your knowledge temperance. And now you put 10 marks there and I'm a two. My wife don't let me carry credit cards because I am not temperate. If I see something I want, I buy it. So if you have a problem in your walk with God with temperance, if you're not satisfied, if you can't be content, what did Paul say, I'm content, whatever state I'm in, I'm in California, I'm content. I saw y'all's gas prices. I filled up 309 in Texas, I'm content. Amen. So add temperance, and the temperance what? Patience. Now, now notice 10 again. Patience, I'm, I'm a two there too. I'm not very patient. I'm a very impatient person. I really am. I know people don't think that, but I'm very impatient. And then the, to patience, add what? Godliness. And, and so that means God-likeness. That means you want to uh, be obedient to God's word. I'm a 10. I don't have a problem with that, man. I, I've never had a problem with godliness. And then what's that? Add to godliness what? Brotherly kindness. Oh, there's people get trouble. I'm a 10 there, man. I'll, man. I'll work with anybody. I'll help anybody. I'll take people uh, 20 miles down the road if they need a ride home from church and somebody didn't pick them up. I don't care. Uh, I'm, I'm brotherly kindness. I love to be kind to my brothers and sisters. I love to, to share with them and get them excited about the things of God. I love to encourage people. I love to lift them up. I love when they're feeling so low that you let them know, man, hey, there's a God that's able to pick you up and turn you around. Amen. You can get wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. Amen. God can change something in your life. And then add to brother kindness, charity. Now that don't mean money. That means giving love. So I don't have a problem with that either, man. I love people. But sometimes my road gets bumpy. Sometimes I have some issues. You see, the woman that was in the Bible that pressed through the crowd, she had what? She had issues. <laughs> the Bible says she had an issue. 
And a lot of times we come to church because we haven't added these things to our life. We have skipped something, and, and all of a sudden now we got these issues. But when she pressed through the crowd and touched Jesus, he took care of her issue. So some of y'all, the reason that your road is so bumpy is because you got a flat tire. And what you got to do, and that's when you get in the Word of God and you start working on temperance and you start pushing this out and you start learning more about how to wait on God, how to, to trust God in everything that you have and learn how to be temperate and learn how to be patient. You push this out and all of a sudden now, God fixes that. See, so y'all go, wow. That was a neat illustration, Brother Abram. It wasn't an illustration. Watch what it says. Go ahead. For if these things be in you. If these things be in you. And abound. And abound. Not, no, no, no. If these things be in you and abound. Go ahead. They make you. That they you make you that you neither be what? Barren. Barren nor unfruitful. See, we like to make that sound like uh, soul winning. No, no. He says, if you lack these things, your blind can't see far. He said, but you, you, you got to have these because if, read that again. Read what it says. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful. In the knowledge. knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when you have these, you know who he is. And when trials come, don't think it's strange. I'm going to wait on God. I'm going to let patience have its perfect work till I'm perfect the entire wanting nothing. So what's that mean? That means I'm walking upright, man. I, I'm looking for somebody to tell. I'm looking for somebody to tell about who Jesus is and what he can do in their life. Your life's down. You got problems. I got a God that can lift you up. Go ahead. Read what it says now. But he that what? But he that lacketh Now, if you have these things, they abound and make you that you neither bear nor proof of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you lack these things, you're blind and can't what? Can't see afar off. Man, you're blind and can't see afar off. And you forgot? Forgotten that he was purged from his old life. You forgot you were purged from those old things. Man, you forgot what God did for you. You've lost that revelation of who he is. And God has to deal with the pride of life in your life now. He has to bring things into you. He has to build you a prayer room so that you can get back to him to see that he's the only one that can help you. He that lacks these things is blind and can't see far off and has forgotten that they were purged from their old sins. But he don't see. See, I don't want to just keep it right there and make you feel bad because notice what he says now. Wherefore the rather, brethren. He said, wherefore the rather. That's why I love the way that Paul wrote, wherefore the rather, brethren. Wherefore the rather, brethren. Make your calling and election sure. He said, man, you nail it down. You make sure you know who Jesus Christ is. You make sure that you add these things to your life. You take your faith that God gave you, and you add virtue and, and knowledge and temperance and patience and godliness and brother kindness. Add these things to you. Amen. Wherefore the rather, brethren. Give diligence to make your what? Falling in election sure. Now notice, now notice you're tired of falling. You're tired of stumbling. You're tired of getting back down. Oh, people say, well, you know what? You got to sin every day. You don't have to. I know we're human. I know we make mistakes. But listen to what he says. If you do these things, they abound. What's it say right there? For if you do these things, if you do these things, you shall never fall. What? You shall never fall. No, that can't be right. Yeah, that's what it says. That, that can't be right. It says if you do these things, you shall never fall. 
See, that's why God wants a church that's in tune with him. He wants a church that knows who he is and understands who he is. And when we make mistakes, we as a group, we come together and we pray for each other and we love each other and we worship and we see him as he is. Amen. And he said, if you do these things, you shall never fall. Well, that's not Brother Aber. That's the Bible. I'm here to tell you, friend, don't you let the devil hoodwink you. Don't let you let the devil push you around anymore. you got to let the devil know, I know who he is. I, I know I made a mistake, but I'm not going to wallow here. I'm going to fill that tire back up. I'm going to add something to my faith. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Wow. Wow, go ahead. What's it say? You should never fall. And then what's it say? For so entrance. Oh, for what? For so an entrance. So for so for an entrance. In other words, if you make it to that place that you're supposed to be, if you make it to that place where you add these things to your faith, he said there's going to be a what entrance? What? Shall be ministered unto you. Oh, God's going to open a door for you. (laughs) When you think that everything's sealed off, when you think that it's impossible, when you think that you can't go any further, when you've been told that you had cancer stage four, and they said you're not going to live much longer, they put you in isolation for nine days, and and you're sitting there, God says, oh, no, no, I'm going to give you a door. You got an entrance because you've been obedient to my word of God and God heals and God delivers let's give the Lord a hand clap I'm here to tell you that some of you need to let God give you that entrance into the liberty of the Holy Ghost so that you can share with other people let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise hallelujah let's give the Lord a hand clap somebody, somebody needs to come to God Somebody needs to let go. Somebody needs to come to the knowledge and say, God, help me. Somebody say, praise the Lord. I got to hurry up. Let me, I've kept y'all too long already. So after we are able to understand that God can add, when we add to our faith, he, he says, you shall never fall. It doesn't, it doesn't say you're not going to make a mistake. I mean, you, you can either, when you're climbing up a mountain, you can fall and fall on the mountain, right? Grab a hole. It means you'll never fall away. You'll never push yourself away. If you're climbing a mountain and you say, I'm tired of climbing, push yourself away, you ain't going to be back. You understand what I'm saying? And that's why backsliders, they, they backslide. They push themselves away from the hope that they have in God. That when I fall, he picks me back up. When I fall, he shows me why I don't have to fall like that again. And he delivers me and he cleans me up. <coughs> God's talking to this church right now. I believe with all my heart, some of you are fighting some things. Some of you got things in your life that you just don't see how you can get out of. You just got to have faith and begin to add to your faith. You need to go back there and make that tire and see where you're lacking and see where you're flat so that you can push it back up. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. So then we got to get them involved in sharing the gospel with others. And that's like Brother Greg. He's already telling everybody, man. He, 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 he don't hold no bar. He's old drug addict, alcoholic. He, he tells everybody, man. He, he tells them he was on his way to hell. He don't tell them they're going to hell, but he said he was going to hell. And, man, he shares it with everybody, man. He tells everybody. 
So we're helping him understand that involved in sharing the gospel with others. We got trifolds that we make up for, for our people. And, and when they go out and witness, they can hand them when they're paying a bill or when they're at a store, drop off that trifold and tell them about the most, oh, listen to me. I'm here to tell you, friend, whenever I go to a church, this is what I tell that pastor. I said, I'm going to help you. But I said, there's going to have to be one thing that we got to understand is that this is going to be called the friendliest and most exciting church in town. And boy, they, they like that. The people like that. You know what I'm saying? When I went to Guyana as a missionary, we had old tore up building, looked nasty. I tore down that thing. I put up a new sign said the friendliest and most exciting church in town. And God filled that church up. You know why? Because people got excited. And they were friendly. This ought to be the friendliest and most exciting church in town. When somebody comes in here, they ought to feel welcome. When somebody comes in here, they ought to meet every one of y'all. When somebody comes in here, they ought to feel like, man, there's something exciting about this place. Somebody say praise the Lord. Because God calls us out of darkness to his marvelous light. We need to utilize three, a threefold approach to, to getting people integrated. Uh, group fellow uh, follow-up. You, you got to have a group follow-up. You got to have, like y'all are having with the young people, you got to have that with new converts. You need to get them all together. And you didn't let them talk. Well, Brother Avery, you know, they're not like us. Well, I know they're not like us yet. I, I know that God's working on them and everything, but I want them to come. I want to hear their story. Man, I'm sorry if I'm taking long, but I'm going to tell you something. Everybody has a story. When you first meet somebody, they have a thin story. When you start talking to them, there's not much room for movement. You don't really know what to say. You can't tell them uh, you're going to hell. They, they won't understand. You can't tell them to get baptized. They don't understand that. They don't understand that. There's a thin story. So God tells me, Danny Aber, when you go to a place, you need to thicken their story. You need to listen to them and find out what's going on in their life so that you can create some distance, that you can create some space in their life so that God can move in their life. Amen. I remember I was teaching at a Bible college and, and a bunch of them all went to Books of Millions. That's when they had those kind of stores. And, and they went to Books of Millions. They were doing research and uh, they had a coffee shop and there was a girl that had dyed black hair, dyed, her eye, eyelids were black and fingernails were black, lipstick black. She was powdered white. And, 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 and I walked up there and uh, when I looked at her, I wondered to myself, I said, I wonder if she knows what she looks like. And God convicted me. I went and sat down after I got my coffee and God said, uh-huh. He said, now, I said, it's been a long time since you sat where they sat. You know why we can look down our nose at people around us in them stores? Because it's been a long time since we acted like that. It's been a long time since we did stuff like that. And God got a hold of me and he, boy, he, he, he torched me right there. And I left that coffee right there and I went back and got in line and there was three people ahead of me and there's about four behind me. And when I got back up there, I said, excuse me, ma'am. I said, uh, I'm so sorry. I just wondered, has anybody ever told you about Jesus? And she looked right at me and she said, nope, nobody's ever told me about Jesus. 
I said, man, I wish I had the opportunity to tell you about Jesus. She said, I get off on my break in just a few minutes. She said, I'll come over there and you can tell me about Jesus. And all those people behind me were just like, all them Bible college kids are looking at me like I'm crazy, amen. And I get them over there. And you know what I do? We sit down and I start talking to her about who Jesus is. What did I do? All of a sudden, when I, when I asked her if she ever knew about Jesus, she said, no. But then there was a little bit of space was created. See, see all of a sudden now, I entered into conversation with her. And there was a little space now. She wanted to know about Jesus. And then I began to talk to her about what God is, who he is, and who Jesus Christ is. That created more space for her. And after I told her who Jesus was, I talked about on the day of Pentecost, how he said, repent. And now there was a little more space. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And now guess what happened? All of a sudden now, I created enough space in there through talking to her that she came to church and got the Holy Ghost and got baptized in Jesus' name. You've got to learn how to deal with people. Acknowledge them. I didn't know her. Man, a bunch of Bible college kids, they called me up and said, Brother Aber, we're all at a, a, a Cracker Barrel and we're at the big round table by the fireplace and uh, one of the boys' car broke down. Will you pick him up and bring him over to us where we're at? And I said, sure. So I'd leave the Bible college campus and i pick him up and take him over there and we get into Cracker Barrel. And so they said, Brother Aber, sit down with us. Sit down with us. And so I sat down with them. This guy named Stephen, he comes up there. And he had a ponytail, a little old mustache and beard. And he comes up here and he has five stars or four stars on his, on his uh, deal. So he was a good waiter. And I could tell, man, something was bothering him. I could tell his, his eyes were red. He'd been crying. And so all the kids are sitting there, right? And uh, uh, he comes up and he says, can I take your order? And I said, sure. And so we all gave our order. And, uh, and nothing seemed to be wrong. And he started bringing the drinks and I could tell he was disturbed. And all of a sudden now he started uh, bringing the food. And, and when he got all the food down, guess what? My plate was the last one he sat down. And he said, is there anything I can do for you? I said, yes, sir. I said, Stephen, I'd like you to pray for our food. And then Bible college kids got mad. You could see that old nasty spirit, right? You just embarrassed us, brother Aber. They, they, you can just see on their faces, but I just looked up at him. I said, you can pray for our food now. And he looked at me and I said, I'm being serious, Steve. I said, pray for our food. And he put his head down. And this is when all of a sudden separation came. And he said, God, I'm a sinner. He said, God, I need you. My life is messed up. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, Lord. And guess what? All of a sudden now, his life opens up, and he gets baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? You know why? Because somebody took time. I didn't know him. I didn't have it planned out. I'm going to go to Cracker Barrel, and I'm going to find a guy that has four stars on him, and I'm going to tell him. Uh, that's, that's not how it happened. It said, I got myself out of the way. So that God could lead me to a soul that was ready right then. While the Bible college kids were laughing and cutting up and having a good time, I saw something different in him. Let me tell you something. After he prayed like that, not a one of them had, had, had a smile on their face. or They were crying. They had their heads down there. They're speaking in tongues. People all over. All Listen to people speak in tongues. You know why? Because God began to move on those people's lives. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap of praise. Come on.
Man, you got to let God use you. You, you got to let God use you. Man, I, I walked into a grocery store, and, and, and there was a guy that worked for Frito-Lay, and he's putting Fritos up on the, on the rack. Man, he got these Fritos going. He's just a whistling. And I was a missionary at the time on deputation, and it was a guy with the Bible college. He was a pastor. And so we're walking, in the church, walking into the store, and uh, I told him, I said, man, maybe, I said, God, I, I don't know anybody here, but if there's somebody hungry, let me know. He said, Danny, I work here. Don't you dare embarrass me. Don't embarrass me, Brother Abram. Come on, don't embarrass me. And so we got to walk around. We got bread, and we got pickles, and we got mustard and mayonnaise, and we uh, turned the corner, and there was a guy, and there was a Frito-Lay man, and he was whistling, having a good time. He was on one of them little step ladders, putting it up there. And, and uh, uh, when we got to the end of the aisle, God said, he's ready right now. I, I told my friend, Ella, I said, he's ready. He said, oh, don't, don't do it, Brother Aber. Don't, don't you embarrass me. I said, stay here. I walked up to that guy, and I said, excuse me, sir. I said, we're going to have sandwiches a little bit later, and uh, we, we want some potato chips. Could you tell me what's the best potato chips? He said, Frito-Lays are the best. <laughs> I said, how do you know they're the best? He said, I've been selling Frito-Lays for 12 years. I ought to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I said, you're a smart man. He put two big old bags in there. He worked on commission. <laughs> And then I said, now I want to tell you about the best church in town. And he looked at me and said, how do you know it's the best church in town? I said, I've been preaching for 15 years. I ought to know what I'm talking about. And he looked at me and he shook his head. He said, you got me. I said, uh, I said, do you have a wife? And he put his head on my shoulder right there in the grocery store and started crying. And said, five years ago, my wife left me with the children. I don't know where they're at. I'm married again. And it's falling apart. I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, I know what you're going to do. I said, come on over here. And we got him in the Bible study. He got the Holy Ghost. He got baptized in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Come on, church. Come on, church. In their story. I didn't know anything about him except that he sold Fritos. But the more I talked to him, the thicker his story got to the point to where there was room. There was room. Amen? There was room for movement. There was room for him to accept what I was saying. All you got to do is be confident in your walk with God. And the only way you can do that is if you know him. And understand him. I know I've got a lot more I got to, got to do and say. My, 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 that's not going to happen. But I do want you to know that in this city right now, God has young people that are ready right now. There are some young people that are going to mess their life up this weekend if somebody don't reach them. And when you go out, you don't go out with a judgmental. You go out and ask God to lead you to souls. You know what happens if pastor said, we're going to have a revival, go invite somebody. What do you do? You go invite the same five people you've invited for the last 10 years, and they still haven't come. He said, well, nobody wants God. No, no. Man, you know what I did, man, when I first got in church? And I, I was only, uh, I wasn't very old. Uh, I was about a month old in the church. And, and uh, all of a sudden, I couldn't feel God. And, and I was in the prayer room praying. And man, I couldn't feel God. And I just stopped and said, devil, I don't know where you're at, but I know you're here. Uh, five souls, devil. I'm going to drop what I'm doing. I'm going to find five souls and witness to them. Went and witnessed to five brand new people I never met. Three came to church, got the Holy Ghost, got baptized in Jesus' name. Every time the devil tries to come against me, I just say, oh, I forgot you was there. Thanks for reminding me. I'm going to go find five brand new people and talk to them. Amen. Take control of the circumstance and quit letting circumstances control you. Amen. Man, I'm here to tell you, friend, it's time that we take back what the devil stole. 
It's time we get bold in what we believe, but you got to know him. And you got to thicken their story. Get them to talk to you. Let them know, man, I, I see you. I, I, I see who you are. I want you to know God loves you. And then you began to talk to them and begin to share with them what God did with you. And God begins to open doors that no man can shut. God begins to, to, to lead you to people that are hungry. He begins to lead you to people that, that you thought you'd never, ever meet before. And God's going to give you that ability. He's going to find, find faith. What did it say in the book of Acts chapter 2, 47? Finding favor with all people. God added to the church daily. God, can I do one more for y'all? See, here, here's what I'm talking about. If you're not careful, you'll think this is the biggest the church is going to get. And you've seen people come, you've seen people go, and you're kind of getting used to seeing people come and people go. But see, here's how uh, God gave me this when I was, uh, just got in church. This is a reservoir, okay? This is a reservoir, and this is a pipeline that's like water, a body of water. And this is a pipeline into the church. Now, I'm not an artist, so don't judge me on my art, but there's a pipeline in the church. And so every time I witness, I put somebody in my reservoir. And so I witness all the time. Even while I'm here in California, I'm witnessing every day. Every day I go somewhere, I'm witnessing, I'm witnessing, witnessing. And so my first year in church, I started witnessing. Y'all see what I'm doing here? I start witnessing. Now, what am I doing? I'm filling up my reservoir. I'm filling up my reservoir. I'm filling up my reservoir. And once you get your reservoir pretty full pretty soon, it starts, people starts trickling. They're not in church yet, but they're interested in church now. But if you stop, then the reservoir goes back down. So you just keep witnessing, 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 fill up your reservoir. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, people begin to come in. And so when I came in, all of a sudden, Ted Arlando got the Holy Ghost. And, and after Ted Arlando got the Holy Ghost, Joseph got the Holy Ghost. And after Joseph got the Holy Ghost, Ken and his wife, Linda, got the Holy Ghost. And after Ken and Linda got the Holy Ghost, uh, Kern got the Holy Ghost. And, and uh, 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 Michael got the Holy Ghost. And, and after Michael got the Holy Ghost, he talked to Rory and Rory got the Holy Ghost. And, and, and I began to witness to my mom and my mom got the Holy Ghost. And my little sister got the Holy Ghost. And, and then I began to talk to Ben and he got the Holy Ghost. And his wife got the Holy Ghost. And Larry got the Holy Ghost. And Larry's two children got the Holy Ghost. And I'm just witnessing what I'm doing. I'm, I'm adding to my reservoir. And now God's beginning to add to the church daily. You understand what I'm saying? Man, God, Jim Rice, man, God, Jim Rice comes in, and God blessed him. Ed DePizzo and his mom and dad, they come in, and God began to multiply, and God began to give people, you know how our church grew? You know how we had revival? It's the fact that I know every one of their names. I didn't just say somebody got the Holy Ghost. I, I acknowledged them. I was in the army with four guys and I got them all on drugs when I got hurt. When I got out of the army, I got out because my knee got broken too. I was a tank commander. I said, God, I want to find every one of them before I go to the mission field. And I found the first one in South Carolina. His name was Philip. I said, Philip, I got a job for you down in Texas. Come on. He drove down. He came to church and got the Holy Ghost and got baptized in Jesus' name. The next one I found was Gary Hasha. 
He was in Stockton, California, and I said, I got a plane ticket coming, got a job for you. I knew everybody in our town. They hired everybody that I'd bring to them, and, and, and Gary Hasher comes down, and, and he gets the Holy Ghost and gets baptized in Jesus' name, still living for God to this day. And then the next time I came, and then I found Rick Bloomer, and when I found Rick, he was living in California, San Diego area, and I flew him down, and he got the Holy Ghost and got baptized in Jesus' name. He got the Holy Ghost the same place I got it. We went to the church to a youth service, and they asked me to preach, and, and he walks up there and says, I won't Danny has, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. Amen? See, that's what I'm talking about. And then we're on deputation. We're going through Flagstaff, Arizona, and Ronald Orr and his wife are there. That was one of the worst guys. He, I messed him up. He, he really had some serious problems. But we were going through Flagstaff, and it's been 12 years since I was out of the Army. 12 years! But I'm praying for Ronald, and I go into Flagstaff, and our motorhome breaks down in Flagstaff, and it's freezing cold, and it's snowing, and there's a JB restaurant right beside it. And so I crank up the generator, and we lay down, and we, we sleep, and I get up early that next morning, and my little boy was about, oh, I guess he's about nine or ten years old. He said, Daddy, what you going to do? I said, five souls, devil. I'm going to go find five people. And I walked out of that place. I went to that JB restaurant. And that's when they had smoking and non-smoking. I went to the non-smoking. There was only uh, three people there. And uh, the first person, they didn't want to talk to me. And the other two didn't want to talk to me. And the waitress comes by. She didn't want to talk to me. And that was four. And I said, well, that's all that's here. So I got out and I started walking out. I paid my bill. And when I took a step out the door, God said, look in the smoking section. And when I looked in the smoking section, there was Ronald Orr, the fourth guy I've been looking for for 12 years. And I walked in and I said, Ronald, I said, you remember me? And his head hit that table just so hard. Bam. He said, I was just sitting here thinking about you, wondering what you were doing and where you were at. And him and his wife followed us to Bay City, Texas and got the Holy Ghost and got baptized in Jesus' name. I'm here to tell you, friend, when you sell out, when you know him and understand him, when you allow God to use you and you take control of the circumstance. Man, y'all don't, don't know what, what Walmart is here. Man, down south, when they got that first super Walmart, it, it was so huge. And, and the day that it opened, you had to park a half a mile down the road just to get in. And there were people in line. And you got in line number, you got to aisle number one. You started marching down. You couldn't even walk around. You just had to follow the crowd, man. Aisle number two, and you come down. Aisle number three. If you saw something you wanted, you missed it, you had to go down 40 more aisles to get another one, Amen. And so, I, you, know, you know, what happens is they just, they just pushed you through it. And see, that's what happens in midweek service. Sometimes we worry about the time, what time it is. Sometimes we're wanting to hurry up and get out. We're trying to push us through the service and everything. Amen. But God said it's time that you stop and take control of the circumstances. Quit let circumstances control you. Quit let the devil push you around. Then the devil puts you, stop and say, wait a second, devil. I'm sorry. I appreciate five souls. I'm going to go find five souls and witness to them right now. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Musicians, come, please. Come on. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. It's time to take back. Take control of the circumstance. You know, when I got in church, you know what the big picture was when I got in church? Was footprints in the sand. Everybody had to have footprints in the sand. Man, somebody said, you gonna get footprints in the sand? I said, ain't no way I'll ever own that. 
Because there was a lady in our church that came on a Sunday night. And she testified. I couldn't make it this morning. I was walking down the hallway and I was feeling so bad. And I looked up and I saw those footprints in the sand poster. I said, God, if you don't pick me up and carry me to church, I can't make it. And she didn't make it. I said, man, I'm going to tell you something. Y'all need to throw that thing away. My Bible says Enoch had this testimony. He walked with God. And in Texas, that means he pleased God. And I'm going to tell you something. You don't have to wait for God to pick you up. Man, you're going to yoke yourself to him. It's so hard living for God. No, it's hard to be a sinner. It's hard to come in from a Saturday night and put your head in the toilet and throw up for two hours, amen? That's hard. But when you yoke yourself to Jesus Christ, His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He lifts the load so that you can lift up your eyes and look on the field and see the harvest that He has for you. This church in Vacaville, if you'll ever come to the place that y'all have come together in unity, that you'll come together in fellowship, if you'll come together and say, you know what, we're going to develop follow-up. We're going to follow up with everybody that comes to this church. We're going to follow up with each other. We're going to encourage each other. We're going to talk to each other. We're going to become a family like God intended us to be, amen, so that we can influence the people in this area. That's what God's looking for. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Add to your faith virtue. How is your tire? Has has it been kind of bumpy living for God lately? Has there been a little struggle here and there? Have you ever been going along and all of a sudden you hear a thump, thump? And you know, you come to church and the devil said you didn't get what you needed. This altar's open. I'm going to give an altar call tonight because I want this church to understand that God has something special here. God has something for each of you, but it's going to take you understanding that you've got to know Him and understand Him because when you know Him and understand Him, you won't think anything strange in this world. You, you won't think anything that happens to you is by mistake, but it's all God's plan for God to strengthen you and to lift you up, to exalt you, to magnify you, to strengthen you. He's wanting you to come and add to your faith tonight. Add to your faith virtue and then add to virtue knowledge and the knowledge temperance and the temperance patience and the patience godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, charity. And if you do these things, you shall never fall. You shall never fall. You won't be barren in the knowledge of who he is. You'll know every time something happens in your life, you'll have the knowledge that Jesus Christ is there to help you. He's going to lead you to people and they're going to have a thin story and you're going to begin to listen to them and look them in the eye and acknowledge their person and you'll see God begin to widen and to thicken their story to where there'll be some movement and they'll come to the house of God with you. They'll come and hear the gospel. They'll come and feel the presence of God. They'll come and see God do something in their life. Man, it's time to get bold in the Holy Ghost. Come on, it's time to look at people. Acknowledge them. Look at their name tag and acknowledge them. Thank them for helping you. 
I see the guys pushing the brooms at Walmart and I'll walk up to them and I'll stop. I say, man, I want to thank you for keeping this store so nice, man. You are doing such a great job. And man, you ought to see them how they, all of a sudden their story begins to thicken. They began to talk to me. They began to listen to me, amen. God has led me to people that were lawyers that, uh, that were crying outside of a convenience store and I brought them to the house of God and their marriage was put back together. Don't tell me my God can't do it, amen. Don't tell me my God can't do it. My God led me to a shoe shine man on the streets of Panama and Panama City. And, and he was sitting there and I, I began to witness to him and took him and baptized him over in a swimming pool at a, at a hotel where everybody could watch and see. You know why? Because I said, shine my shoes. And he began to shine my boots. And as he shined them, I began to thicken his story. And by the time he was finished, he didn't even get to really put the spit shine on him. He closed it up and he said, man, I want to get baptized in Jesus' name. Because I thickened this story. Get yourself out of the way. Get in this with all your heart. Make up your mind. I'm going to live for God. And I'm going to add these things. I'm going to add these things. And when I add these things, I shall never fall. In other words, I'm too busy picking other people up. When you're busy picking other people up, you're too busy about to worry about what little problems you have. I'm so thankful that God brought Greg, that welder, that, that alcoholic and drug addict to, to my life to, to let me teach him a Bible study. I'm so thankful for that because of what God's doing in his life and how he goes and he talks to people, acknowledges people. Most people that are drug addicts, they're so backwards and and man, they, they're ashamed of themselves. But I'm going to tell you something. People that have shame when they come to God and they, they get washed and cleansed, they have no more shame. There's no more guilt. They've been set free. It's up to us to thicken the stories of the people we meet in Vacaville and see what our God can do. Let's lift our hands as they begin to worship God. Lift your hands and begin to worship God and ask God, God, let me add to my faith, Lord. God, show me souls that are ready right now. God, let me be faithful to witness to somebody and not just tell them about baptism in Jesus' name and full of the Holy Ghost and stuff like that, but tell them about Jesus, what Jesus did for you. <coughs> come here tonight you need something you come to the right place you don't have to live the way you've been living God has something good for you but you gotta want it hallelujah come on talk to God talk to God Talk to God. Hallelujah. 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 
God, I love you, Jesus. Love you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Come on. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.